Tuesday, the 29th of August. I'm Randy Couray. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. Thank you, as always, if you are joining us uh, live uh, via Twitter Spaces, watching on YouTube, or if you've downloaded uh, tonight's episode via your favorite podcatcher. We are going to go heavy on the NFL and basketball, both uh, the NBA and the uh, FIBA World Cup, which is taking place in uh, Philippines, Indonesia, and so on. Uh, but uh, uh, really excited to uh, introduce tonight's uh, roundtable. Uh, familiar face, of course, to What's Up the Sports podcast is Neil Katari. Neil, how are you? Good. Thanks, Randy. Good to be here again, man. Good to see you. Good to be see you guys. And uh, joining us uh, for the first time are uh, two uh, uh, members of uh, tonight's roundtable. First is the co-host of the uh, Voice of the Fans sports cast, Ronnie R.C. Clark, is joining us this evening. Ronnie, what's going on? Man, everything's good. Uh, you know, salute here from, from Mississippi. Glad to be on. Yeah, no, really, uh, really excited and greetings uh, from Toronto, Canada and uh, passing my greetings as well as the host uh, of the Voice of the Fans Sportscast. You can find uh, Voice of the Fans Sportscast at VOF Sportscast on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, the host is Ben Swift Reynolds uh, joining us as uh, RC said from uh, the great state of Mississippi. Swift, thank you so much. Uh, really, uh, really excited for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank y'all for allowing me to come on with y'all tonight and discuss some sports. That's what we do best, and I can't wait to get to it. So, uh, Neil, you know, before we get started, I, uh, you know, I have, uh, uh, as you may know, Neil uh, started this podcast in 2019, and I really had the chance to interview some some people, and the joy of uh, this kind of platform is that we get to uh, meet people from really all over the world, but I mean... Neil, from your professional or your personal life, how many times have you cut it up with people from the state of Mississippi? Well, ask me in an hour, and the answer is going to be two, and then Dave's going to be in our seat. But it's good to know you guys, man. You guys seem like great guys and uh, know your sports. I listened to part of one of your episodes that Randy shared with me, so it was all good stuff. Updated my own running back rankings off of what you all was saying a little bit, so thank you for that, and let's get into it. Problem. <laughs> I mean, Swift. I, I know that uh, you uh, have had the uh, podcast for uh, for uh, some time, and yeah, um, yeah. Is it is it the first time you're uh, talking sports with a couple Canadians? Yes, most definitely, first time. So, congrats to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love I love what sports do. We bring everybody together. I never thought you know I'd be talking to a couple of guys from Canada. Canada. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, RC, you are talking to a couple Canadians. So, I mean, how uh, versed are you in hockey? I mean, uh, are you able to uh, keep up uh, with a couple of Canucks here? So, I just got into hockey, man. I got a friend that's in New York, and he 
he's a gamer and he put me on some hockey games. I'm getting versed in and learning about hockey. Um, the first time I played the video game, I actually was like, uh, I guess the newness of it made me, uh-huh. you know, I was intrigued by it. So now I'm starting to take a liking to it and watching it on TV and um, hoping that one day I get a chance to go to a game and experience the whole atmosphere. So yeah, I'm, I'm no, always hoping sure. to stuff. All right. Yeah, I mean, uh, okay, so uh, off the top of my head, I'm thinking that, what, Nashville is probably the closest. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, pre- uh, uh, Sorry, you guys are in Jackson, or would it be? Uh, uh, pedal. RC we're closer to, we're closer to, we have, a, uh, we have a hockey team in New Orleans, uh, in, in, on the Gulf Coast. It's, uh, I don't think it's, really? it's a minor league, it's a minor league yeah. team yeah. on the coast, and uh, so, and then you have the Predators in Nashville, and Atlanta has the Thrashers. So they did, I'm yeah. I mean, they, uh, yeah, they moved uh, a number of years ago, but uh, okay, where yeah, are they no. now? Uh, they've been in Winnipeg since 2011. Oh. Yeah, okay. it's been a number of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, they've been gone, and it appears to be forgotten. <laughs> right. right, right. Yeah, so, and not much hockey going down here, so we <laughs> still still biased, as you no, can see. No, no, no. Hey, for sure, for sure. But, uh, no, guys, thank you so much uh, for, uh, for joining us. And, you know, uh, maybe not uh, talk so much about uh, hockey, uh, this evening, but uh, definitely love to talk about Voice of the Fans and uh, you know, uh, uh, taking a look uh, Swift at your Instagram channel and so on. Uh, notice that you uh, really uh, do go heavy on uh, on football and basketball. And I mean, like, right. is that more so representative of the state of Mississippi and uh, you know uh, what uh, uh, sports fans in your particular state are into or? Uh, is it more so uh, speaking to what, uh, you know, gets you going sports-wise? Yeah. I would say a little bit of both. Uh, we are a big football state. As you know, we produce Jerry Rice and Walter Payton, some legends. So we definitely into our high school football, college. And it really boils down to also with uh, what can we get down here on television. Mm-hmm. So – that's what it really boils down to. I love baseball. I used to watch baseball all the time, but uh, WGN was bought out, so that cut out watching baseball for me because I'm, I'm a Cubs fan, so that's how I used to get my Cubs game. And ever since then, it was just hard for us to get other sports on TV because, you know, people just forget about Mississippi. They're like, uh, you know, it is what it is, but that's that's the whole setup. But we do love football. Yeah, no, uh, and that goes without saying. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely goes uh, hand in hand. And, you know, I, I do have to say, RC, I mean, uh, you know, over the years, and I, I could definitely appreciate myself and Neil that uh, when people outside of uh, our country of Canada, when they think about sports, uh, first and foremost is hockey. And, uh, you know, the same could be said with regards to the United States and football. I mean, uh, it's uh, so incredibly popular uh, and it really is the lifeblood of sports uh, in uh, in the United States. But, you know, outside of football and basketball, I mean, do you see a sport that may be on the rise in Mississippi that aren't those two sports that may be uh, uh, people within your state are getting more? Uh, interested in and uh, are participating a little bit more by chance? Soccer. Soccer's taking off in Mississippi. Uh, actually, I coach youth basketball 
uh, some football. And whenever we're out there playing, we see soccer. Soccer's taking off in Mississippi and other states as well. So that's that's something that's on the rise in Mississippi. I would say soccer. Hmm. And I, I mean, uh, I, I could appreciate that uh, Florida is not overly close uh, to uh, Mississippi. But I mean, obviously, Lionel Messi is kind of like a stone's throw away, uh, uh, lack of a better term, in Miami. And he's just been absolutely killing it uh, right now. Like in your neck of the woods, I mean, do sports fans appreciate what's been happening in Miami with uh, Lionel Messi and uh, Inter Miami and just MLS in general? I would say yes. I've been at, I've been to bars. I've been around people um, who like soccer and the way they talk about it and the way they talk about him. Um, it's big here, man. It's growing. Um, it's bigger than I thought. Um, I, I've learned over the years to get outside of my football and basketball box and listen to uh, other people and, and, you know, listen to uh, watch other sports and learn. And uh, I would say, yes, it's, it's actually um, he's like their Michael Jordan. And they talk about him a lot. And I'm starting to realize like he's that guy. Um, actually, I don't watch a lot of soccer, but you know, I'm starting to get into that as well and trying to, I, I'm, a, I'm a gamer as well. So I try to get into the gamer side of it and learn it. And then I can, it, it draws me to it on television. So I learned through the gaming system, whatever. That's how I learned, learned about the other sports. I mean, I could definitely appreciate that me and Neil may be a few years older than you two. And, mm -hmm. uh, we were, uh, young, uh, teenagers when, uh, world cup 94, uh, took place in the United States. And for me, I started to get into soccer with the Sega Genesis FIFA 1994 video game yeah. and everything. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's kind of uh, skyrocketed since. And I mean, especially these days, which, uh, you know, maybe we'll chat about a little later on. But, you know, Neil, I mean, obviously the United States, uh, there's such an emphasis uh, with regards to the United States as Canadians from sports, from business and so on. Uh, you know, uh, the various sports leagues that our local teams are a part of, the majority of teams in said league are uh, in the U.S. Uh, but obviously we are seeing a, a huge shift in terms of sports and enrollment and so on. Uh, RC is saying soccer in Mississippi, and we could definitely attest to the fact that uh, uh, soccer is taking off here in Canada. But, uh, you know, from your observations, uh, with regards to the United States, uh, you know, it just seems, uh, as mentioned before, that uh, football and uh, basketball are maybe one and one A, if you want to throw in baseball as well. But is there a sport that you are a little surprised that really hasn't take off, taken off in America? Well, first thing I want to say is God bless America because I'm not the <laughs> typical Canadian that's all about hockey and this and that, man. I love my You're NBA. Right. I love my NFL. That's my thing. So I, I almost consider myself an American when it comes to my sports, you know, what, I, what, what I'm into, what I love. And I'm just so happy that we got teams close to or, you know, I'm a Bills fan. I'm a Raptors fan. So we got it locked down here. But that was where my preferences lie. But. You know, I can't say as far as sports that should be maybe more popular in the States. I'm not going to say hockey. I'm not going to say soccer because I think both of those do have a solid level of popularity. Baseball obviously is up there next to uh, basketball and football. But, you know, when I was thinking about it. One sport that I think actually would in a, you know, in, in a, maybe a future world when the world, you know, as it becomes a more streaming based service where we ain't going to rely too much on 
what's on cable, what the networks are telling us. We can get anything we want. It's all going to be a subscription world in the near future. And sports mm -hmm. fans are going to be, have access to all of this different content from the world around. And there's going to be a lot of, I think, people getting into different things outside of their usual, uh, let's say, comfort zone when it comes to sports. And one of the things I think may appeal to Americans, Canadians, that maybe isn't so popular here is cricket as a sport. The reason I say that Ooh. is because cricket has actually used to be unbearable. You couldn't sit there because the, these games would go on for two days in a row. I mean, they're taking tea breaks uh, every few hours and stuff, you know, that that doesn't vibe with a, when you want the fast paced action, but when they mm -hmm. change the rules, now they have an entire world cup dedicated to what's called a T20, which means the game itself is one third of the size and it makes it so much more exciting. The game itself, it has a lot of baseball characteristics to it. Some of the things that make baseball appealing, the big hits, the big moments, the athletic dives and catches, they, they, those exist in cricket and it's hugely popular out there in the East, but imagine a baseball game that only had four innings, an MLB game that only had four innings, you know, it would not be as long, but that would be a very exciting sport if the, every game just had came down to four innings. It's just that 20 overs in cricket still is longer than a nine inning baseball game. But imagine how much wow. it was when it was three times the size. So I think cricket is something that may have a potential somewhere down the line, not only in the U.S., but more on a world stage. And then I was thinking about what about the league? And I got to say the CFL, man, Canadian pride mm -hmm. over here. I love <laughs> I think right. the CFL is vastly <laughs> underrated because we're talking about the Rock trying to prop up XFL. We got arena football. No. Mm -hmm. After the NFL is way up here and then everything else is down here. I can't even put my hand low enough. But right. above all that muck at the bottom, the CFL is definitely above everything else. And I think it deserves a little more respect. Uh, it's fast paced. Sure. These guys, they play hard. They play fast. It's high scoring. And it's full of great Division One college athletes and and players, man. They, they, it's good football. Uh, it's just you know for the it's almost like the big three you could consider it of football mm -hmm. as as what the big three is to the NBA. It fills that need for the sport in the summer if you need that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you interesting. Mentioned. Sorry, uh, Swift. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was about to say. Uh, back in when I was a teenager, Canadian football was was shown, you know, on our TV. So I don't know what happened if the NFL split with them. God, they used to partner with NFL. They used to send NFL players to CFL. They used to pick players from the CFL. So I really don't know what happened between those two organizations over the years. But so you, so you brought it up. I thought CFL went away, to be honest. No, it's still. Thought, it's still uh, it's yeah, I thought they went away. I see I'm glad to hear they're still around. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I see it on ESPN. Well, you know, truthfully, uh, you know, as we are in Toronto uh, and Toronto is the uh, biggest, uh, you know, it's pretty much the center of the country with regards to sports, uh, entertainment, business and anything. Uh, but the CFL doesn't really uh, draw flies in uh, in Toronto. Uh, like the rest of the league. Well, Vancouver uh, struggles here and there. Montreal is not doing too great. Uh, you know, it. Uh, it is unfortunate. I mean, it's been around 120 plus years, but uh, I, I, I think, yeah, I definitely think that uh, uh, CFL is uh, has kind of lost its ways in uh, in Toronto. Uh, I definitely don't think that the NFL will be coming to Toronto ever. But uh, <laughs> uh, you never play, know. Y'all might get one. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I do have I do have to say though, guys, uh, and you know, this would be a great comparison because 
you know, uh, for a guy like myself, who's in my uh, mid forties, uh, I don't have kids, but, uh, I don't know a single parent who is my age with teenage kids who are enrolled in football. I don't know a single one. Like, how about yeah. you two? I mean, do you guys, uh, is like, uh, pop football, uh, is that still popular? Like yeah. our, yeah, uh, yes. More than ever, uh, my son right now, he playing high school ball. I have another younger son playing flag. I don't want him playing taco just yet, just until he get of age a little bit, let his brain, you know, develop and everything. Then he's going to put him in taco. But, uh, yeah, parents still going hard for pop football. You see it on – you seeing highlights of these kids making plays. Like, they they going for this kid on YouTube. He having TikTok video. So, it's it's profound right now. It's it's is at a major high because of social media. So all these yeah. young kids are getting a shine on, getting put out there. So these parents, they go hard for these uh kids and pop. Yeah, I mean, and uh I, I was gonna ask uh guys, uh, and I'm really intrigued uh where you guys think uh football will be 15, 20 years from now. And the reason why I ask this is because, you know, as Canadians, uh, Neil and I, we have seen a reluctance of parents putting their kids into hockey. I mean, you know, concussions are a real thing. I mean, we're seeing a number of, uh, uh, you know, uh, instances. I mean, hey, you take a look at Mike Webster, you take a look at Junior Seau. Uh, and, uh, you know, hockey uh, had a, a string of uh, players uh, who did, commit suicide um you know a couple years ago and uh obviously uh i'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow uh because the nfl is still so popular but i mean rc like if you had to sort of fast forward yourself a decade two decades do you think football is still going to be as popular as it is today well I'm i'm old enough to uh well, I'm 42 years old, so I'm old enough to remember the hits that uh, Ronnie Lott and, uh, you know, Junior Seau and Lawrence Taylor was giving out. I remember football from that era and football now. Evolution is happening. I would say 15 years from now, we're watching football now where they can barely touch one another. I think 15 more years from now it might be flag football. Um, they're wearing I, pillows and helmets, RC. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the game of you can't take the the head out of football. I know people are always talking about getting your shoulder out and tackling uh, with your shoulder versus your head, but your head is connected to your body, your shoulders, <laughs> and so you'll never be able to alleviate or take away the head part, head part of it. And I think um, you know guys are trying to guys are thinking more now than they ever thought when they get ready to make a tackle. So. I think you'll see uh, 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 the product gets worse because the players are thinking more about what they're doing. And so I really feel like the game gets, in my opinion, it gets a lot less physical, but you, it's always going to be a physical sport. Right. Um, but it's progressing towards um, almost flag football to me, I think. RC, help me out here. Uh, I'll actually watch a preseason game for the Saints. And correct me if I'm wrong. I won't try to explain the rules, but they're trying to eliminate kickoffs, right? So I think if they fair catch the football inside inside the 20, so they catch it at the 5 or 10, uh, they automatically get the ball to 25. So I don't know if y'all ever noticed they've been doing squeal kicks. 
you know, because they don't want the team to get the ball at the 25. They afraid to catch it. So the NFL, they trying to limit all these concussions because they – I forgot the stat, but they said a lot of concussions happen on kickoffs. So there, that's where they're going. Hmm. Well, I guess whatever it takes to, uh, you know, generate and elevate the safety of these uh, players, because I mean, sure. Let's, let's call it what it's an exciting game, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean, guys, I don't mean to cut you off. It's impossible. I played the sport. <laughs> you guys, I don't know if I think Ben played the sport. It's impossible for, if I'm running full speed at Ben, for me not mm-hmm. to, um, you know, it's going to be – it's a contact sport. Unless you just going to be touching each other now, it's impossible for it not to be a contact sport. Um, but I think for the NFL to remain what it is, you have to have a level of contact. You have to – you know, physicality, you have to have it. But I feel like – I feel like the NFL is shooting themselves in the foot because the most – one of the most exciting things about football are the kickoffs. When you see a kick returner, take it all the way. That Like, that's the most exciting thing. In my yeah. opinion, in football, I mean, but, you can't beat that excitement. Especially well, I, for a win. You know, uh, Neil, uh, those, Neil, those I, I those Devin Hester records not getting broken right. anytime soon. Today's game. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, Neil, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this one. And I, I, I hate to put you on the spot like this, but uh, with your medical background, uh, you know, I'd love to uh, ask you because. A lot of people do think that the equipment itself enhances the injury. And I mean, like, take a look at a sport like rugby. And I don't know if you know the numbers off the top of your head. But if you were to assume in terms of like uh, injury, devastating injury and impact and all that stuff, because of those, because of that equipment, is there more of an impact and more of a de- like a devastating injury for a football player as opposed to rugby? You know, uh, it's it's an interesting question, but the fact is that in football, the direct nature of these hits and the velocity and the force, speed times uh, velocity or whatever the equation is, the force of these impacts, the directness of these impacts is not like any other sport. Like, uh, you know, rugby is a sport that's physical. It's definitely a man's sport, just like football. Uh, And they're physical more so to the body. It's not like heads are flying at each other and heads are flying into places where their necks are getting cranked, their heads are taking on major whiplash injury into the brain over and over. Because, you know, from what I know about not only football, but, you know, there's a lot of concussions, believe it or not, that happen in soccer too with guys Mm. headbutting the ball long balls coming in and they're really slamming that head into that ball, trying to put it in the net or wherever they want to put it. A lot of the concussions that you see, a lot of the micro concussions, not just the macro, the big ones, it's the micro ones, the ones that happen on the plays where the guy doesn't look frazzled, where he's not on the ground needing medical attention. It's the one where he gets up like Ray Lewis and does his dance. But Ray (laughs) Lewis on that play just went toe to toe or, the D-line, O-line smashed into each other on any every single snap. These guys are smashing into each other. And it's those little hits, the helmet to the body, helmet to the helmet. It adds up. It's an additive thing. It's not that it just happens here and there. Right. And that's why you're seeing that it's mostly the O-line, mostly the D-line. These guys that go in with their head, the guys that, you know, in the NFL, it's a business. And professional sports like this, it's a business. They've been doing it their whole life, number one. So they already have that track record they already got that uh-huh. that sort of the damage that's built up but now 
to separate yourself from the rest, you go as hard as you possibly can. That competitive nature makes you go as hard as you can. And in the moment, you're not thinking about your future. You're thinking about that play. You're thinking about stopping the guy in front of you for the betterment of your team. And you worry about whatever else comes later. And it's unfortunate because the the education, the stats, the really the CTE research wasn't there before. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that uh, it's just the nature, as these guys were alluding to, is the nature of the beast that you cannot have a sport like football without the consequences of contact that may come with it. And I think the NFL is certainly uh, doing things to, you know, one will say it's making the game softer, but they're also making rule changes that these soft softening rules are mm-hmm. making the game faster, more offensive oriented, just like the NBA is undergoing changes from the old days, the Michael Jordan days. LeBron James, as much as you want to say between him and Michael Jordan, LeBron has not played in the physical era that Michael Jordan played in. And that is one thing that I put when I say Michael Jordan is the true goat, in my opinion. But LeBron is close right. by. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so so the game is changing. The NFL is changing. Concussions and long-term damage will always keep on happening. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what they're doing is they're trying to reduce that. Yeah, yeah. It's changing the game. And- yeah. And it does seem that, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, these players do know what they are getting into uh, because, uh, surprise, surprise, football is a dangerous game. But, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Swift RC, I appreciate, uh, I mean, I know that you guys usually do talk about the X's and O's of the game, and we're going to get to get to that in a second, but really do appreciate that kind of uh, chat to start things off. And, I mean, hey, uh, lo and behold, in uh, just over a week, uh, the NFL season is uh, going to kick right. And I can imagine Love how attacked you two yes. are. Yes, and, uh, and uh leading up to uh leading up to uh tonight's uh episode, uh Swift, you did mention that you pledge allegiance to the uh, New Orleans Saints and Ooh, that uh, nation. Yeah, and uh very quickly <laughs> as I uh I do have uh something to show you here because this is who oh. I uh, kind of like here, yeah. <laughs> Goodness, so, he got the throwback. So yeah, I, uh, I do, I do pledge allegiance to the Buccaneers. But how, you know, how not, did that happen? How uh, did that happen? You know what? I uh, okay. So straight up, uh, this is the deal. So um, I, uh, I got introduced to football with NFL primetime. Uh, you know uh, the highlights uh, here, and I was mm-hmm. a big fan of not only the helmet, but. When Chris Berman always had those Buccaneers highlights, and he always talked Vinny oh. Testaverde and Eric Bieniemy, <laughs> Bieniemy especially because I thought the last name was sounded cool. Okay, so then, <laughs> and this is this is when they were playing in the Big Sombrero, and yep. uh, then uh, I I started to gravitate towards Sterling Sharp, and again I'm not a diehard uh, football guy, but uh, right. I actually uh, I actually have been to a couple of Buccaneers games and uh, uh, like last yeah. year, well actually check this out. I I went to Jameis Winston's last Bucks game. It was uh, what was it Week 17 and yeah. uh, then you throw like five interceptions or something like that. I don't know how many interceptions, <laughs> but he did he did throw he did throw a pick six in overtime. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> like it was, uh, and but then I uh caught the um last season 
when uh, they uh, clinched the playoff spot against Carolina. And uh, mm. that was just wild. It was on New Year's Day. And uh, yeah, it was just uh, just incredible. But uh, I, I think I mentioned to you that I am going to be in New Orleans and I'm really bummed that uh, I'm not able to see uh, the Saints. Uh, Saints right. are playing Houston when I'm down there. But anyway, we're kind of getting off. Here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'd love to get your thoughts uh, from the three of you, because Neil's a big uh, football fan. He is a uh, Bills guy. And um uh, was uh, wondering, uh, and Swift, we'll start with you. Uh, who do you think has, uh, who has impressed you the most this offseason with regards to uh, preparing for the upcoming year, the acquisitions that uh, that took place? Believe it or not, Aaron Rodgers. He's doing it at his old age. I mean, he's like a kid in the candy shop with the Jets, man. Y'all are happy-go-lucky. He's skipping around in practice. So, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, he – he impresses me. Uh, he making them young guys who like studs, and I feel like the Jets are gonna be a formidable team. And alone, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers can stay upright. Uh, man, they're gonna be a tough task, tough team to beat for sure. So I'm not and come in, I'm not even an Aaron Rodgers guy. So that's saying a lot. Like I, I really don't like Aaron Rodgers. I'm just put it bluntly. <laughs> so um, yeah, but I'm I'm high on him this year. He might might be in a run for MVP. I'll say that. Really? Really? Yeah. You think so? Uh, Neil, I yeah. mean, uh, Neil, what do you think? I mean, like, I was going to touch on Aaron Rodgers a little later on, but since Swift brought it up, uh, I mean, we have seen this before where, you know, a guy like Joe Montana goes from San Fran to KC and, you know, I uh, didn't make it to a playoff, uh, playoff game. But, uh, hey, I mean, if you ask me, Peyton Manning is more so an Indianapolis Colt and – he did win a Super Bowl with Denver. So mm-hmm. you think uh, Aaron Rodgers can re- have the re- remotely some sort of success in New York like he did in Green Bay? Oh, well, he's an all-time great. He's an all-time legend. So, of course, he has the ability. Will he, though? Well, one might say that he was showing signs of decline last year after a couple of MVP seasons, you know, a legendary career, first ballot, no question. But, uh, you know, he followed in Brett Favre's footsteps the whole way through, man. He won one Super Bowl with Green Bay, was a legend in Green Bay, all that. Oh, Went to the Jets, and then what happened? <laughs> hey, man, look, a lot of people, and this is the best thing about the Aaron Rodgers acquisition to the Jets for me. As a Bills fan, he's taking all the attention off my team. It's all about this Aaron Rodgers hype, hype train. Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> I love it. Because you know what? The Bills had the hype train last year, and I'll get into this later. It didn't work out for us. So I like that we're flying under the radar a little bit. Look, man, you can say what you want. Aaron Rodgers got a great defense in New York. Mm -hmm. He got a great set of receivers. And now they got a couple great running backs. They got a young guy, Brees Hall. They got a a vet in Dalvin. But he probably got the worst O-line that he's done had in probably maybe his whole career. He don't got his guy Bakhtiari there. There's other guys that he just doesn't mesh with. And they're, you know, from what I'm seeing, that there's a little bit of work to be done there. So will he, the old man, withstand that? We're going to see. Well, RC, I mean, like, you seem to be nodding your head on this. And, I mean, Aaron yeah. Rodgers is a 39-year-old yeah, cat. Here we go. He's going to be joining uh, <laughs> He's going to be joining me in uh, Club 40 in uh, December. <laughs> and, I mean, like, if, his, if the O-line is as bad as uh, Neil says it is, I mean, like, 
a 39 year old guy can't really repair like a 29 year old guy. I, you know, do you think that Aaron Rodgers can do it uh, in New York? I like Neil already. Neil, I got something I want to show you, buddy. <laughs> so right there, that's that's Brett Favre in the New York Jets uniform. Man. Right? You guys see that? Okay, wow. Right. Wow. <laughs> so that increase is real. Neil hit him, hit the nail right on the head. This guy is following Brett Favre's footsteps, and he's going to follow it right out the league the same way. Uh, I'm a 49er fan. Everybody went, went, went through the room and saying who they represent. I represent the game, the Niner game, and we got Aaron Rodgers' number. I watched Jimmy Garoppolo beat Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field and didn't score an offensive touchdown. We beat him on a block punt, and we scored a, 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 a defensive touchdown. We didn't score an offensive touchdown against the great Aaron Rodgers. Then the follow the year before that, we Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight passes, and we get to the Super Bowl off of eight passes against Aaron Rodgers again. So my thing is, it was against the Vikings, but we, we rushed for 240 yards against Aaron Rodgers again. I don't believe in Aaron Rodgers. I believe that Aaron Rodgers is a regular season guy. He's John Stockton, Carl Malone in the regular season, get to the playoff, <laughs> epic fail. So, you know, going to New York, change the scenery, got all these different weapons, but chemistry matters. Buffalo's been, been, been together for a while. Miami's going to be going into their second year. The Patriots won't be as bad, and he is in the toughest division. He's in the toughest conference in, in football. The AFC is loaded. So if he comes out of there, I mean, hey, salute to him, but I don't see it happening. So hmm. and stay tuned. That's stay all you need to do, RC. Yeah, just stay tuned, RC. <laughs> he runs that gun. I, I give him out. And listen, he runs that gun, and I give him high praise. That's a gun. <laughs> all right. I mean, to I be just, doing it. Sorry, please go ahead. I was just like, they touch on the O-line. I think that's why they signed Devin Cook. Because if they actually can get the running game, they're going to actually help out the O-line a lot. How? That's a good point. Hmm? Good point. That's a fair point. What do you mean how? So they, listen, it's, not, it's, not the, it's not the running game that they're going to have score. It's the pass blocking. Right. And I so, think that's why they brought in Davin to mix things up. No to run different screen passes, you know, to spread people out, you know, try to get the bias in as quick as possible. Remember Tom Brady went with the Bucs? Man, they didn't, want, they, didn't want, they didn't want Tom Brady to get touched at all. The O-line <laughs> wasn't that great. He had Tristan Wirth, but the O-line wasn't just spectacular. spectacular. Listen, so they still got the ball out as fast as possible. Could. This, this is Michael Jordan going to the Wizards. You know, hey, bro, <laughs> gotta, hey, hold on, stop that. Hold on, stop that. Tom Brady, Tom Brady is an exception to the rule. We put an asterisk beside Brady. We put him over there. Brady is a different type of leader. Come on, than uh, than, than than Aaron Rodgers. We know Rodgers is. Um, last year, I watched him turn on his teammates. I mean, I watched him complain and whine about not having this and not having that. Uh, you got to understand, bro. You got everything now, and but the only thing about it is, you left a conference. The NFC is weak. The AFC is strong. So if you get out of the first round, let's say you win your division and you get the bye week, you're going to have to eventually face Burrow or Jackson or Wilson or Allen again. You're going to have to see these guys to get to the Super Bowl. So and and it's the Super Bowl or bust. I just don't Shouldn't see Shouldn't it him be the other way around, though, RC? No, they got to face Aaron Rodgers. Did you like, really you're, stuck on, you're stuck on no, – Aaron Rodgers got to face them. How about they got to face Aaron Rodgers? Did you hear me tell you that he lost to Jimmy Garoppolo and I Jimmy heard Garoppolo you. went right through the ear. I heard you, but you know, looking <laughs> brain just like that. <laughs> I'm gonna say this about I'm gonna say this about Tom Brady is that he ran the AFC East for them two decades, right. but all the teams were all the other teams weren't nothing. Buffalo, right. 
just started coming up. Now you get a taste of Josh Allen and boom, I got to find the weakest conference in the league to run to. And he went to the weakest conference. Yes. It was the NFC South. Ran yes. that thing up for a Super Bowl. Yes. And, hey, man, you got to give it up to Tom Brady because he's a football player, but he's also a tactician. And he did that yeah. right. He tactitioned his way to a weak, con- weak conference, weak division, got a Super Bowl out of it. Right. And we're not even talking about the Miami Dolphins. We, have, we haven't even talked about the Miami Dolphins. That team is loaded. Yep. So my thing is we asked Aaron Rodgers – to go do something he couldn't do in the NFC. He's well, going to be I mean, the hardest uh, division he's ever played in this year. Right. He, well, he ain't never played in a harder uh, – the, the NFC, um, you know, uh, there North. There are no Bears. There NFC no North bears. has never been as hard as the AFC East will right. be this year That's for true. Aaron Rodgers. Right. There are no Bears. There are no Vikings. There are no Lions. There, there are no Lions. Lions. There are no cockroaches. There, there are real teams. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I you know, uh, RC, you're talking about uh, the Dolphins there, and I'm wondering if uh, Tua is going to be able to make it. I mean, like he was, he was on fire in the beginning, and then of course he had a devastating injury, and then uh, uh, I mean, it made the traditional news. I mean, like uh, uh, with uh, how uh, uh, how he got hurt, and uh, you know. I mean, all things seem to for the Dolphins to have success is uh, for Tagovailoa, and like, is it? Do you think that uh, they are going to be able to protect him enough and uh, make a run uh, to uh, to the playoffs? I, I'm worried. I'm worried about Tua because there's a rumor or some source said he was learning how to fall. Now, this is a football player who falls frequently. Um, you just advance in your career. You're learning how to fall, how to take a sack. Like, you know, in the league now, you can't fall on the quarterback. You got to kind of fall on him and fall to the side. Well, that means he's thinking about how to fall down. You know, who, I mean, they have a class you can take. That's like me taking a class. on Yeah, how to, with the senior citizens. <laughs> right. It's just like basically like me taking a class on how to how to do something I can know, naturally know how to do. Um, but And so I'm worried about that because now he's in his own head and he's I saw him, um, you know, the press conference really, really offensive about uh, what Ryan Clark said about him. So he is the key to that whole situation. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that he has, uh, he's able to overcome all that situation with the, the concussions. But all signs point to that not, that's not going to work out because, like we talked about earlier, football is a very physical sport, and at some point, somebody's going to get home. And what I mean by getting home, somebody's going to have a free run at it, and, um. You know, it could be over with, but I hope he's able to just, um, if he's talking about falling, you know, just concede to the sack, you know, go down like you see guys did in the past and running out of bounds and stuff like that. So we'll see. I mean, I'd be remiss, uh, RC, if I didn't uh, ask you about your 49ers. And of course, uh, Brock Purdy was, uh, uh, had uh, a really great run. Uh, I mean, from a, from a, like a non, uh, hardcore football guy uh but uh you know uh, obviously uh the year before when the uh, Niners drafted Trey Lance there was a lot of uh hype but there was a lot of uh uh comments swirling around Trey Lance and uh, he is now on his way uh to Dallas uh like how surprised were you uh that uh, uh Trey Lance and that experiment didn't work out in San Francisco I wasn't surprised. Like I'm, I watched those guys. I've been out there. Um, I'm really a fan. 
Um, and I and I really being hit it on the head earlier by strong motion. The kid hasn't played enough football. And so I think what happens is, and I said this on our podcast, that the talking heads like Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper, they talk these guys up and down the draft board. And if you listen to them long enough, you'll believe the hype in some of the players that they talk about. And he was one of the guys they talked up. Um, North Dakota State traditionally have had Carson Wentz, Easton Stick, and, and also Trey Lance, injury-prone players. Very, um, uh, I feel like they got a history of injury, injury uh, players that get injured. And when Trey Lance's situation, he was drafted to a team that already was Super Bowl ready. That team had just lost in the Super Bowl to the Chiefs. And then they go up and they get a quarterback because Jimmy was 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 always injured. So they really put him, they really drafted him as an insurance policy, you know, just in case Jimmy was would never be back fully healthy. But Jimmy does get healthy and he starts over Trey and 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 it just this kid just needs to play. I don't understand the move to Dallas because now he's sitting behind Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush, but he still needs to play. So the longer he goes without playing football. Uh, I think he don't get any better, but I saw it coming, man. The writing was on the wall. Um, first year he got injured, second year he got injured, and then Brock Purdy emerged and um, never looked back. So um, I was not shocked, man, because kid is very raw and he hadn't played enough football. And you mentioned Dak Prescott here, and Swift, uh, why don't you educate me on what Dak Prescott is? I mean, uh, yeah, he, he. Well, I'm gonna start he, off with this. He's a uh, he's a top ten quarterback. <laughs> that was Dak. <laughs> uh, he almost won MVP, you know, if it wasn't for the injury. So he's a leader. Uh, I thought it was a stupid move by Dallas trading for Trey Lance, who probably won't even touch the field because, like you said, they got Cooper Rush there and they got Will Greer there. So he got be at them two guys in order to get a starting job. But I feel like Dak, he get too much hate, man. Like, it's not always his fault. Man, we saw him go from Mark McCarthy, where he had Mark McCarthy now, uh, to different OCs. He had a young Kellen Moore who didn't really know what he was doing. He had Jason Garrett, the clapper. I mean, that that has a bad play, but he stayed clapping. Like, what are you clapping for, man? Y'all just turned the ball over. Like, he he had no clue what's going on. So, Dak had a team and coaches that really just didn't know how to put together a game plan, especially when the playoffs came. Uh, mm-hmm. They relied too much on them instead of going to the running game. So I uh, feel like that just get a lot of hate because, uh, first of all, he played for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another reason why people going to hate him regardless. But I think he's a true baller. Uh, I want him on the Saints if he was a free agent. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I guess, uh, you know, with me, Dak Prescott is – in that particular category of a huge name, not a lot of, I mean, not a lot of accolades and success. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of guys like uh, Justin Herbert. I'm thinking of guys like Philip Rivers. I'm thinking of, uh, there's, I had another one off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, there's, there's always a group of quarterbacks that, uh, quarterbacks especially, who have a Tony Romo. That was the uh, one off of uh, as well. And uh, that they just have this name, but Neil, they don't really have the uh, wherewithal and the experience and the history of getting to the conference championship game, let alone the Super Bowl. I mean, is that going to uh, figure it out one of these days? Well, you know, 
I'll say this about the NFL um, is that a quarterback by himself cannot win a Super Bowl, but a team cannot win a Super Bowl without a good quarterback. It's very (laughs) rare in any case. Like you got the Bucks in 2002 with Brad Johnson. You know, even when the Ravens won that one year, Flacco had to turn into Peyton, Peyton Manning for them to do it. You really have to have that superstar QB or you really have to be a rare elite team like the Ravens 2000. They had Trent Dilfer. Good game manager, but they had everything else on point. The Niners, if they are going to win a Super Bowl, RC, they're going to be in that category of, you know, Brock Purdy's not a world beater, but he's a solid QB mm-hmm. and they got everything else working elitely. Uh, that's going to be their formula. So when it comes to Dak, I will say that I agree with RC. He's a disappointment. Uh, Swift, like, I got to say, this guy just has not met the hype. He's a he's what I would say a regular season QB. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just doesn't turn it up when the right moment. He has He's had a couple good early round playoff games, but he just doesn't do it in the divisional round. And, you know, I think that the Lance move actually was a decent move only for the purpose that, you know, if Lance can take a couple of years and learn, you know, and Dak is not the type of guy that Jerry Jones is rushing to hand out another contract to, well, then you take the you take the risk and you try to upgrade at all the other positions and hope that Lance shows some promise because maybe that's the best strategy for them going forward. It's a it's a reasonable move and they paid pennies on the dollar compared to what the Niners paid. And you know, you're sitting here thinking, RC, like what if they just got Micah Parsons or one of these other guys that you see that list that's come out of all the guys that were drafted after Trey Lance in the first round. It's it's incredible. It's full of all pros, multi-time future all pros. And, uh, you know, but that's the nature of the NFL. And I think I think uh, it was a it was a pretty good move by Dallas, considering the risk that they put into it. Let me piggyback on that real quick, man. I I, I posed this question to a, in a group of my a group that I'm in and I said, the National Football League has did the quarterback position, the running back position of disservice and overhyped the quarterback position because how many highly paid, you got a league full of highly paid quarterbacks and the only quarterback that has rings outside of Brady is Mahomes. Everybody else is just paid. And you made a point about having an elite team. All the Super Bowl teams, they were a great team. Like the quarterback play, like last year I watched Mahomes and, and uh. Jalen Hurt not get touched. It was the first Super Bowl I ever watched, and it was not a ho- offensive uh, holding call. That was a, that was weird to me. You got a, you got the Eagles with seventy sacks on the year, and the Chiefs with a great defensive line, and nobody touches the quarterbacks. That was weird. But then back to the the, the Dak situation, he's due up for an extension at the end of the year. Jerry Jones is a businessman. He understands like, hey man, look, this dude is turning the ball over in the playoffs. Swift, you got to be in the top ten. He turned the ball over oh, when man. it matters. Who are, who are you when it matters? And so what the 49ers then did is they don't went the opposite direction. We're going to get pennies on the dollar for the quarterback position because the system, okay, the system that he's in and he's throwing to Debo Samuels, George Kittles, hanging off Christian McCaffrey, all he got to do is just don't, don't turn the ball over. See what I'm saying? And so they're trying to go to win the Super Bowl the opposite way, a la the Baltimore Ravens, with Joe Flacco and that all-world defense that beat the 49ers. You know, Joe Flacco was not Tom Brady. He was not, he was not uh Phillip Rivers. He was Joe Flacco. So the Niners are trying to get it that way versus paying a quarterback while struggling to pay everybody else. And so 
I just think the league, man, is is very it's very weird now today because you're not getting your return on these high price quarterbacks. You're paying like you're not getting Mahomes got all the jury right now, so he's the guy. Most definitely. Yeah, and uh, I mean we're seeing that all uh, all the time in sports where you know uh, one team develops uh, uh, a system. And then it's a copycat league. I mean, like you're seeing it in baseball with uh, the use of starting pitchers. And I mean, like RC saying uh, to the uh, tune of uh, running backs, I mean, hey, back in the 80s, I mean, uh, between Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas, I mean, I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, these days, I mean, is the running back position uh, even worth any value at all? I mean, uh, yeah, but uh, I guess uh, it does take one. Uh, to uh, develop uh, into uh, a championship formula, and is our sure. team's going to follow uh, follow on that? If that was to happen, I mean, definitely remains to be seen. Uh, you know, Swift. Uh, we we did talk about uh, uh, the uh, the Niners, and I'd be you know I can't uh, I can't uh, keep going without uh, giving you a chance to talk about your Saints. All right. And All right. uh, you know, I mean, hey. Uh, uh, Derek Carr is uh, leading the ship uh, in New Orleans now. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, do you think uh, do you think New Orleans uh, may find uh, find uh, get back the, uh, to uh, Super Bowl like they did with uh, Drew Brees? I don't know about Super Bowl, but definitely playoffs. I think our schedule is favorable. Our division is setting us up for winning it. I mean, I'm just going ahead and call it if, y- if y'all don't mind. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we're going to win the division. But I'll just say this. We're only going to go as far as Denz Allen takes us. He made some questionable moves today with his roster cuts. So I'm still kind of weary of him as a coach. But if everything clicks with Derek Carr, you know, uh, this this team is, you know, the sky's the limit with them. Uh, our backfield's loaded. Kendra Miller, the rookie coming from TCU. Uh, of course, Adam Kamara, Jamal Williams, then our wide receivers, Mike, Mike Thomas back. He looked good to me. I don't know about y'all, but he looked good to me. So I'm taking him in yeah. fancy. So yeah. it's like, and of course, our defense gonna, you know how they how they go, how them guys are. Uh so this team is well rounded. The only question mark I do have is the O-line. Pete, our, our our starting guard, looked horrible in the preseason. He was getting beat by backups. So he might not win to the uh, position. So it just uh, – our O-line, man, when you watch our team, we give up pressure through the gut. So our guards are killing us. And it's a team like 49ers see this, our Eagles seeing this. Then they – we done for. Any <laughs> team that have a good D-line and they can just create pressure with four, with four people, it's over for us. We're not winning the game. <laughs> so we have to fix that problem immediately in order to take the next step to be a Super Bowl team. That's why I say. And Dan Allen, uh, if he do horrible this year, I'll start a petition to get him fired. <laughs> <laughs> say that. <laughs> Neil, uh, Neil, you know, uh, if there was a team that was a sentimental favorite, I think last season would be Buffalo, especially with <laughs> – what took place uh, with uh, in Cincinnati with Demar Hamlin, of course, and uh, you know, for me personally, uh, the fact—I mean, there was a lot uh, riding on the Bills uh, last season uh, to make it back to the Super Bowl. 
uh, for the first time in 30 years, but they uh, they did fall short. And uh, of course, the season before uh, with that incredible um, uh, back and forth with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, and that final drive there. Uh, uh, very quickly, uh, your thoughts on the upcoming year? Actually, I'm excited, man. Uh, and to be honest, I'm I feel better about this season than I did about last season. We were the odds-on Vegas favorites to win the Super Bowl last season. At this time last year, you know, I think that really when the Bills really got the hype train going, believe it or not, is when we lost that divisional game to that ultimate classic playoff game to Mahomes and the Chiefs. Even though we went to the AFC Championship the year before, you know. It was that game, I think, that really put us on the map and got everyone paying attention to how good Josh Allen was, how he played in that game, how good our team was. And then we were the Vegas favorites, and really nothing went right last year. I mean, you talk about overhyping a team and underperforming the outcome. We had a number of injuries to key players. I mean, Josh Allen was not right for the second half of the season after that injury he got in the Jets game. Vaughn Miller, big signing. He was out. Micah Hyde, all pro safety out. Trey Davius White, all pro cornerback, missed half the season. Coming off a big injury, he's not going to be at 100%. Well, other than Vaughn Miller, we got a healthy team right now. We got healthy superstars littered up and down the offense and the defense. And the, the big thing, I mean, some of the other things you can see that happened, the DeMar Hamlin injury, as unfortunate that, as that was, there's not an NFL fan out there, Bills or otherwise, that's not inspired by the fact that this guy's out on the field smiling, having fun, yeah. wants nothing to do but to play football again, which is what he's going to do. And he's looking good in camp, too, from what I'm seeing. And, you know, people may talk about, oh, Stefan Diggs is disgruntled. Man, who cares? He's a yeah. gamer. He's a baller. The Some of the greatest wide receivers in the history of this game got that diva factor. They must have it, it's like. To right. be great. It's part of their greatness. T.O., you got to go up and down the list, man. They all got a little bit of it in them. And he's just showing that dog in him, in my opinion. He don't like the losing, and he just wants to give a little bit of that attitude to say that I'm not a passive guy. He already said Bill's nation to the end. He said it. I believe him. And I think that the all of the hardships we went through last year combined with the fact that the Jets and the Dolphins are getting a lot more of the attention this offseason. Yep. So we're yeah. not getting the hype like we did last season. We got too much hype last offseason. We're getting very little now. We had expectations last season. We have very little now. There's a lot of haters and a lot of doubters coming out the woodwork. I think with that combined with our health, um, you know, we got a tough schedule. We play Philly. We play KC. We got a really tough division. But I think that if we can maintain our health, then what we're going to achieve this year is going to make up for the underwhelming season that we had last year. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. I'll see you in the Super Bowl, brothers. Bills not in the Super Bowl. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I think that that's a strong, strong possibility. Yes, indeed. Just got to stay healthy. Our teams get injured a lot. <laughs> and the 49 just got to get a quarterback, and then that'd be all right. <laughs> I, love it. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Guys, I'd love to take things over to the hard court and uh, talk a little basketball. And maybe it might be a little uh, premature to be talking about basketball in August. But when you have the World Cup uh, taking place in Japan, Indonesia and Philippines, then uh, definitely uh, worth having a discussion, especially 
when uh, you have uh, four guys on a round table where two are from Canada and two are from the United States. And uh, I mean, obviously, uh, it is a little bit difficult to uh, to watch the World Cup. The time zone is what it is. Uh, and I mean, hey, basketball uh, in an international sense, uh, it's a little bit tilted uh, in toward in the USA's favor. But, you know, I, I do have to ask, uh, and RC, I'll start with you. I mean, are are you a fan of the World Cup of basketball? I mean, uh, when you think about international ball altogether, I mean, what are the first thoughts that come to your head? The dream team. Um, I grew up watching the dream team. Um, when I think about what's going on right now, I want to I want to say this, man. I think the best players in the world are no longer the United States player, players. The best players in the NBA right now are or foreign players. The American-born players aren't the best players anymore. If, and I'm, I'm going to explain why. Your Giannis Antetokounmpo, your, uh, what's the guy that plays for Denver? Uh, uh, well, yeah, you have Nikola Jokic, you have Luka Doncic. Yeah, Joker, yeah. you got you got Embiid. Those names are up for the MVP every year. They are not American-born players. And right now, the league is changing. Luka is one of the, one of the top players in the league now. If, if you did a of course, if you put all of the American-born players on the team and you sent them to play in the World Cup, of course, they would win it. But when you talk about in the NBA right now, the foreign players are running the league. They're for all the major awards. And it's and it's changing because of the attitude and the energy. I think some of the American-born players right now just like the lifestyle that comes along with being in the NBA. And the foreign players are at their neck. They got their foot on their neck. And, they're, and a, joke, a joker put on a show in the finals and showed a lot of the guys, if you don't, if you don't play at this level, you're going to get smashed. You can get dominated. And so um, I love basketball. I've been watching some of what's been going on. I think I think Anthony Edwards is being uh, showcased as one of the better players. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just good, man. This is my favorite time of the year. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Swift, RC makes a solid point in the sense that maybe international players individually are – uh, you know, tops in the league, but in a team perspective, you have to think that uh, USA would uh, totally dominate. I mean, you have a team uh, currently at the World Cup, which includes uh, Walker Kessler and Bobby Portis. And I mean, Austin Reeves is uh, definitely. Who? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, LeBron and KD are in their late 30s, but I mean, this is a team that doesn't include those two. And you could think uh, very easily that uh, those two would dominate along with a Devin Booker, John Morant, and the list goes on and on, especially in the U.S. Uh, you know, uh, I did want to bring it back to uh, when, especially when RC was talking about the Dream Team. And you think about 1992, you think about the uh, amount of time that people like LeBron, KD, uh, Kobe, I, I mean, everybody was just really amazed, apparently, at uh, when you saw the redre redeemed team uh, doc. Uh, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm assuming that uh, the three of you have uh, seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, the... I was about to say, I used to wake up early to watch the, the uh, redemption team. That's how exciting the, you know, the USA team was. So uh, with now with the USA team, I think uh, a lot of people just watching the box scores. I ain't even heard too much 
uh, hype about the players. We know they we know they can ball whatever. You know, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, everybody compared him to D Wade. But I think uh, I think it'd be a little bit more exciting if we saw all, all our star players like Booker, KD. Uh, you know. You know, uh, you think it would be exciting? Uh, to, uh, sorry to cut you off here because, I mean, you know, if LeBron, KD, Booker uh, were uh, uh, playing in this tournament, I mean, hey, good for you guys. But, I mean, I think it would just be an absolute whitewash and USA uh, kill it. <laughs> you, you, see, you see what they're doing right now? They're talking about world champions. They, they say NBA ain't no world champions. They just regular champions. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, put the let them put them up, make them shut up by putting them all our stars look, in there. Like, I do believe that if you did a USA versus the world, that USA would lose. And the reason why I say that is because the foreign players play the game how the the, the American born players used to play. They have that passion and that drive. You look at uh, Nikola Jokic and. And Giannis winning a championship in the NBA in the way they did it. Uh, I was team oriented. The ball moved. NBA players right now is a lot of isolation. You know, they're concerned about getting paid and how they look. Um, the game has changed to the point to where they're allowing them to travel. You can't. T- it's just different. So I think that by me and and I and I love you know the, the American born players, but they don't have the passion of the foreign born players. I am a fan of your uh, Joker and uh, Giannis right now. They playing. Like the players I grew up watching, the American born players I grew up so, watching. So, RC, you rather watch this team right now, or a team that made up of LeBron, KD, Booker, and all them guys? I'm with I'm with um, my guy Randy. It wouldn't be fair. I wouldn't watch it um, because that's what the redemption team was. You had LeBron, Kobe, D Wade, AD. But I mean, uh, to be fair, Swift, uh, they didn't win it in. Uh, uh, well, it was Athens. It was 2004. Yeah. But I mean. Redeem team was in uh, 2012. That wasn't that wasn't a dream team level team though. They were yeah. putting together a bunch of guys. They had hubris. They had this ego about their team. Yeah. They didn't prepare Maybe. properly. They didn't respect the other teams in that particular tournament. They had guys like Carlos Boozer. They had you know, that was not a real team. The teams that had Kobe on them when Kobe was leading the Redeem team 28 and 2012. Man, those were real teams. Those were the dominant teams that you want to see. And my opinion on this is that, look, the Dream Team did so much for international basketball. All these guys, Luka, Jokic, all the international stars, in some butterfly effect through the years, the Dream Team had some effect on them, their coaches, their teammates, something that helped to elevate them to the level that they got. Something that now I think to hop on what these guys have been saying, American-born players will always be the best. But the ball IQ that these foreign stars got is above mm-hmm. and beyond any of the young guys in the NBA. You got some young guys. I will point out a couple names like Tyrese Halliburton, for example, he's got impeccable game. He's got the fundamentals. He, he's got IQ that sometimes I think is a little elevating his actual athletic skill set. Whereas you guys got Anthony Edwards, guys like that who came in and now he's building the IQ to match his athleticism. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. But I think that you got to stack the teams because if the Goliath is not making its present felt, all these Davids out there ain't going to step up their game either. Right. right. That's, I, yeah, you're right. And, you know, you got to compete. You know, you and don't forget about Shea Gilgis Alexander on those foreign lists. He's right, a future. Right. Leader <laughs> in the so listen, Neil, I, I honestly believe, man, that 
evolution is happening and may, we're, we're taking a turn and when it comes to the NBA. The NBA, by the dream team doing what they're doing and impacting uh, so many people globally, it those guys, those those foreign players, are, they've been playing professional a lot longer and they have a hunger mm. and they want to, you know, Giannis worked out with Kobe. Uh, you know, it's like, it's just different, man. It's it's like, and if the American-born players don't ring it back in, um, it's going to be a foreign game. It's already a foreign game. They're playing a foreign style of basketball, but it's really going to be dominated by the foreign players. Absolutely. And RC, you completely took my thunder when, because uh, uh, when I hopped on uh, uh, your show yesterday, I uh, flirted the idea of, a format where USA would be challenged and it was in fact USA versus the world. I mean, uh, you know, we, uh, you talked about uh, the names that you talked of uh, with Jokic, Doncic, uh, Antetokounmpo, uh, and of course with Shea, Jamal Murray, RJ Barrett. Uh, I don't know if you two have heard of this uh, Victor Wembenyama kid out of France, yeah, but yeah, they're right, talking right. about him uh, being the next LeBron. I mean, yeah. and, uh, yeah, the list goes on and on, and I would just love to see uh, that kind of format. But, uh, you know, uh, maybe one of these days uh, FIBA will get something together uh, because I think it would just be fantastic. And more importantly, I think the LeBrons and the KDs and everybody else who's not at this tournament will do everything possible to uh, make get it there. to uh, USA versus mm -hmm. the world. You know what would be uh, an alternate idea to that, just to piggyback on this? Maybe like a regional thing where it's not just the USA, but you bulk the USA and Canada, then you bulk all of Europe or you bulk all of Asia or something of that nature. You'd have strong teams across the board. Now, I think would be very interesting if you just put the entire world against one country. It, Yeah, perhaps. I, I mean, it sort of still feels to me like you're calling the one country the superior thing. I, I don't the issue, Neil. Neil, here's the issue. Load management. The Americans are killing players. us, bro. Kawhi? <laughs> Kawhi. Kawhi show up when LeBron show up. I forever love Kawhi. <laughs> he can load manage all he wants for me Man. because he did something great for our team yeah, that no one can replicate. He did. Man. Yeah, load management definitely uh, definitely started uh, here in Toronto for sure. <laughs> but uh, I, wish I, I wish I had some loads management in my job. Yeah, no, yeah, we all do. <laughs> I don't feel like coming into work today, load management. Yeah. <laughs> 100%, 100%. But, uh, Neil, obviously there are some exciting times in our country uh, with uh, what has taken place in the uh, World Cup. Of course, uh, a, a dominating performance against France, a perennial uh, favorite to uh, win this tournament and uh, they just coasted uh, uh, I mean they had a bit of a challenge against Latvia you could say but uh, still they were 3-0 and uh, after uh, group play I mean uh, hey uh, I don't know if uh, RC and Swift are aware of this but uh, Canada's men's basketball team hasn't made the Olympics since 2000 and wow. uh, yes. that has uh, that has weighed a lot on basketball fans I mean uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, however, Jamal Murray uh, is not a part of the Canadian team of he, of course, uh, coming off of ACL uh, uh, injury uh, a couple years ago, a long stretch uh, winning the championship this past season. Uh, I mean, because Canada is doing so well in this tournament, I'm assuming that you're not as disappointed uh, in Jamal Murray not being in the, in the World Cup. Or are you? Yeah, 
Well, I'm definitely disappointed, but you know, the disappointment is heavily outweighed by the, just the, the pride and the happiness I'm getting from seeing the success that the guys that are there are having, you know, uh, and I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I mean, we, we, I really, the, the apex version of our team would include Jamal Murray and Andrew Wiggins. There's yeah. other Canadians out there that are up and coming. You got the Shaden Sharp kid from Portland. You got Benny Matherin from the Pacers. These guys are still too young, I think. But Murray and Wiggins are would be an essential piece if we were to make the Olympics in order to make a run at the Olympics next year. And I think we would if we had both those guys in the team we currently have. But you know what? It's almost like what the Dream Team did for international basketball is sort of what Vince Carter did for Canadian basketball. Mm-hmm. And Vince Carter, you could you talk about the last time we made the Olympics, 2000. That's when Vince Carter came up in Toronto. That's when all of what he has done, the butterfly effect of Vince Carter's reign in Toronto. His legacy is not based on wins and losses. His legacy is based on influence. Mm-hmm. And he influenced Canadian basketball, Toronto basketball. All these kids that you see on Canada's team right now were in large part growing up like I was, like like we were in Toronto um, with that Vince Carter. Really, mm-hmm. really bringing a superstar basketball, like that high energies, like highlight real basketball that just snowballed into something, something great, which is starting now to show the effects. And we're starting to get respect as an international power because we got a young team. We got guys who are gamers. Uh, and, and I just don't see us really stepping off anytime for the next 20 years more. Man, I'm gonna piggyback on that. I really was heartbroken when they got rid of Vancouver Grizzlies. That uniform, you talking about the Raptors uniform? I'm talking about the the, the actual retro Raptors, retro Vancouver Grizzly. Then with some sharp looking uniforms, I like the whole. I just wish they would have kept it the way it was. Them in the Seattle SuperSonics, staying in the league. And uh, you're exactly right about Vince Carter and Damon Stoudemire, and Marcus Canby, and Tracy McGrady. So yeah, man, that was that was an awesome time. Yeah, awesome man, time. it was very sad with the Grizzlies guy, man. Vancouver with uh, Big Sean and now Country yeah. Boy Sean, you big know, country. yeah, big, big Country, come big on, country. Man. big Country, and Mike Bibby, and Bibby. yeah, Mike yeah. Bibby, yeah. Mike Bibby, that's a, that's a throwback right there. Man. Well, I uh, I'm sorry, guys, I uh, uh, apologize for. But uh, there was actually a great doc. Uh, there was a great doc called The Grizzly Truth. I don't know if uh, it made a, it over to the U.S., but it was this uh, feature on that run with Vancouver. And this uh, the the uh, the documentarian actually got an interview with Steve Francis. And yeah. it, it was it, I, did you guys hear, have you guys heard of this doc? Yeah, I've heard about it. I, I didn't like the fact that Steve Francis did what he did. I, I wanted him to play for the Grizzlies so I can get that uniform. Uh, the one I had was Bibby, and I loved it. And I wish I could get it again. I'm probably going to get me one because I love they that team. They had him in They had him in Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, I had to uh, I had to go and get a couple of uh, oh, uh, pieces here. So I got the uh, Grizzlies hat. And uh, this sweatshirt is, uh, to me, is really sleek. I, I'm a real fan of the, uh, uh, well, first I showed the uh, Grizzlies hat there. And this is a, uh, a montage, uh, like an homage yeah. to that Grizzlies and uh, the fact that uh, they did spend the first year, six years in Vancouver. And but you, but you know what's crazy? 
there are no Grizzlies in Memphis. It don't go. It don't fit. It's like <laughs> New Orleans. Yeah, yeah like the Grizzlies. The Utah There's no Jazz, jazz in Utah. In Utah right? <laughs> you know, how how's Ja acting? They need to move uh, the Grizzlies back to uh, Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Canada, we don't have uh, – yeah, we're not uh, – we don't have the Second Amendment in Canada. Like, uh, not a lot of people have done <laughs> You know, guys, uh, very quickly, I, I did want to touch on the in-season tournament. And, uh, you know, this is a new – uh, dynamic, of course, that the NBA has uh, installed for the upcoming season. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Swift, uh, you know, love to get uh, your initial thoughts on this in-season tournament. And do you think it's going to fly? The NBA always doing something. Just to bring fans in to make it more exciting. I'm not a real big fan of it. It just, I know they're trying to create competition. But come on, guys. Like, just stick to your regular format. I had all this changing up. And it just feels like it's throwing fans off, first of all. They're like, what's this season tournament? So how this going to play out? How this going to work? And all this type of jazz. And I just think it's creating a lot more confusion than anything. I know probably some teams are probably excited about it because they get, you know, better seating or whatever. But in my opinion, it just it's just too much. You know, I got to So I'm sorry, Neil. Please go ahead. No, I agree. It, it seems gimmicky right now. Um, but, you know, I thought that same thing about the play-in tournament. And to be honest, I thought now looking back, I thought the play-in tournament was a fantastic idea. It it, uh, it, it really is something I enjoy watching. A couple of game seven type feeling games, even before the playoffs get started, it, it, it vibes with me. And obviously the way that Miami was in the play-in tournament, almost lost, and then – came up and went right to the finals off of that, you know, the edge that it gave them to go into that Milwaukee series, having already had some playoff level battles. I think that really helped them, but, you know, so I, I will reserve judgment for at least a year, but it does seem gimmicky. I'll be honest. And I, I hope that, I hope that, you know, teams are motivated to really, uh, you know, win it, to be honest. I mean, I think that, sorry, RC, please go ahead. I believe in simplicity, bro. I believe you keep there was right. nothing wrong with the way Michael Jordan, that era of basketball in the nineties, there was nothing wrong with that format and the way it was set up. I feel it feels a lot like the college basketball setup. These guys, if you gotta if you gotta motivate a guy in season, like cause they're gonna get extra money for playing in this tournament, right? They get they get like a bonus. It's an incentive. Yeah. That's that's alarming yeah. to me. That's alarming to me. That's that's the whole low low management issue. Um, that you having to create formats inside of a format and come up with all these different ideas. The NFL, the NFL does not have an in-season tournament. Uh, the baseball doesn't have an in-season tournament. Keep it like it is. It's just the NBA being proactive and I understand they want to they provoke change and do all these different things, but we don't watch into playoffs anyway. <laughs> I mean, I watch some of it, but I don't just watch. I don't. I used to get league pass, not anymore. Them games are right. sleeper. Them games put me yeah. to sleep now. It's because of the players. They trying to get them to go out and play. That's you all fault for cuddling, cuddle, cuddling these players. I mean, they're getting paid millions of dollars to go play basketball. So that's, just, that's why I say it's kind of like putting, off-putting to me that they got to do this just to make their league competitive. Like, that's, that's very strange and, and weird that you got to do all this for players to get hyped. Come on now. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely with you on that, Swift. But I mean, uh, if there is an opportunity for, uh, you know, uh, teams who are at the bottom of the uh, regular season conference, uh, like in the conference standings and so on, that if by some fluke that they are uh, doing well in the in-season tournament, why not have somebody to cheer for? I mean, like for somebody who's a soccer fan and especially Toronto FC, I mean, they have these uh, uh, international tournaments, uh, Champions League, where they're playing teams in Mexico and other parts of Central America. And I mean, obviously with soccer and club football, uh, soccer, you know, uh, it's uh, it's a tradition, uh, you know, with Champions League in Europe and they play in teams in England and Spain and Barcelona plays Bayern Munich and blah, 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 goes on and on. Um, RC, you were talking about... Uh, there's no instance in tournament football. I mean, number one, I mean, how can you? I mean, like these people are actually uh, killing each other every every single play. But imagine, uh, but I'm going to put it to you like this. If you cut, say, three weeks of spring training baseball and develop an in-season tournament, I mean, I think it would absolutely uh, smash. I think it would be incredible. You're, uh, you know, playing in uh, your home stadium where – you know, you're in front of 30, 40,000 people instead of the 7,000 you're playing at spring training stadiums. Uh, I'm I'm calling it. I think people are going to get, especially in uh, three years, I think people are going to get hyped for in-season tournament. But you, but you know why they don't get, get hyped for it? It goes back to what I said about the foreign players. The more we can see them, the better it is because maybe, Maybe it motivates the American-born players to get on board and be more competitive and be more consistent by the way they play uh, because Bam Adebayo is not from America. I mean, a lot of these guys that are emerging are foreign-born players, and it's like maybe it motivates the American-born players to get out of load management mode and on the basketball court and play because I think that's the issue, and that's why this has came to the forefront, is our guys are not playing, and you got kids – and, and, and people coming to see these guys play, and these guys are not available. So maybe this gets them motivated and, and creates some excitement. So I'm not totally against I just think if I got to bring a clown to make you excited about, you know, <laughs> if I got to put a red nose on yeah. you excited about my league. It's a long <laughs> you can just look at the ratings. Through the whole season is down. Like, the ratings don't go up to playoffs. So I guess – they like, hey, we got we got to put more viewers on this and everything. You know, everything's about money. So yeah. they're just trying to, you know, get their guys to play and get their viewership up. That right now is bad. Honestly, taking business out of it, I think the NBA should be like 62 games regular season. Yes. Make everything worth more. But yeah, that's not a, a business decision that they could really make because mm -hmm. their bottom line is going to suffer. But the product, I feel, would be better, and you wouldn't have all these guys. But Neil, know, who's nights off like they do? Who's to say, Neil, that uh, instead of uh, okay, you make it to sixty-two games? Who's to say that these players aren't going to play uh, forty-eight? And there's no uh, guarantee. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that uh, they're not going to load manage for sixty-two game season. And I'm being serious. Yeah, NBA, uh, you know it's fair. NBA has, NBA has, has a play or something. They have a bigger problem. It's who who is going to carry the mantle after LeBron James retire? You got a thirty-five-year-old Kevin Durant. You got a thirty-something-year-old Steph Curry. Who's next? It ain't gonna be Jokic. It just has to be this guy. Who is this guy? And if they don't, yeah. if 
and and the United States is very prideful, and they wanted to be an American-born player. But I keep harping on that because I've never seen a player do what Jokic did in the finals. I've watched Michael Jordan. Of course, I'm talking about an unathletic player whose feet is on the ground. He dominated. He's not flying through the air. He's not doing all this great stuff. He's just fundamentally sound, involving his teammates, and that's the correct way to play basketball. And that's the issue the NBA has now. Who is the next guy? And who and is you, the next? And do you see how buck wild Jokic gets when he's partying in Serbia? I mean, he just right. he does not have any yeah. desire to be in North America. Like we lost that guy. Somebody watch the video right now. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to see the hey, four D, of us. What you doing? <laughs> I want to see the four of us uh, party in a club in Serbia. I'm sure all the all ladies right. yell up on us, right, guys? Well, hey, that's, a different, that's, a, that's a different between right there between uh, Nikola Jokic and James Harden, man. Is that James Harden clubs are in America and yeah. Jokic clubs are in Serbia? <laughs> He's hard basketball here. Hard, hard with ten cheeseburgers in. Harden have ten cheeseburgers while Jokic just that little beer or something James like that. Harden, James Harden parties in season, eating honey buns and doing crazy stuff in season. <laughs> You got to pull out the fat suit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it just, yeah, like RC was saying, Jokic, man, it was unbelievable. Uh, I believe it was Charles Barkley. He put it like they said, watching a guy when he wasn't even looking, looking to score, just getting his teammates involved, still averaging like 20-some points. That's crazy. Like, yeah. you don't see fundamental basketball like, basketball like that from a player. And I think that once you see players playing more like Jokic, even Giannis developing his game where he's more, you know, he can be aggressive, but he also can get his uh, teammates involved. Is I feel like more, more, more you see that type of game, I think it enhances the NBA. I think players are gonna start like, okay, maybe it changes up. Maybe I shouldn't jack up a three as soon as I catch the ball coming up down the court. So it, it's a it's a great thing to see. I know it's bad for American players, but more of the Europeans and uh, basketball players start playing the game like it should be playing. I think the NBA is better off. Yeah, it uh, it'd be interesting to see what the future holds uh, for uh, basketball, uh, not only in the United States but in uh, Canada as well. And uh, listen, guys, uh, this has been uh, an absolute blast. I do want to end things off, and uh, Neil knows that uh, usually we end things off with a rapid fire segment. Uh, I'm going to change things up because. Uh, you know, it's not every day that we get to uh, uh, do a roundtable with uh, two cats from the U.S. So I thought to uh, throw down with a little game, uh, and it's uh, it is emphasis on Canadian sports trivia. All right, so uh, Ooh, okay, so Swift RC, I'm gonna put you uh, to the test, and Neil, I uh, I, I apologize. Uh, like you, you're gonna be the spectator. I'll see myself out. Yeah, no, 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 no. but I mean, uh, yeah. Well, hey. I, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe you might be. Uh, maybe you're not. Uh, I don't know. Is it a guarantee that you're going to know every question? We'll uh, we'll definitely wait and see. But uh, guarantee, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, guys, uh, bear with me a second. Uh, it'd be great if I was able to uh, have a producer that was able to set this up. But, guys, do you see a uh, a question uh, on mm -hmm. your screen right now? All right. All yeah. right. So yes, uh, basically how this is going to work is that I'm going to give uh, each of you uh, 
two questions, two questions a piece, and then we're going to end things off on a fifth question where both of you get to answer uh, the uh, the the fifth and final question. Okay, so we are going to start with Swift, and we did talk about the Canadian Football League, and uh, whether you did know it or not, uh, there were teams in the U.S. Uh, well, there were Cana uh, Canadian Football League teams in the United States. So, Swift, the first question to you is which American state never had a CFL franchise? Alabama, Texas, Louisiana, or Florida? I want to say Louisiana because I know a lot of Saints fans from New Orleans and I hear him talk about CFL franchise. So I'm going to go with Louisiana. Louisiana. Now, Neil, uh, do you think you know the answer uh, to this question? I think I definitely do not know the answer, but I'm going to say Texas just as a guess. So uh, the Barracudas were out of Birmingham and Alabama. The uh, uh, Texans were in San Antonio and uh -huh. the Pirates were in Louisiana. So the state of uh -huh. Florida did not uh -huh. have <laughs> a CFL uh -huh. franchise. So uh, Florida, Florida always had the sports teams. The <laughs> down there. Come on. Yeah. yeah, you know what? The uh, the first team uh, uh, was in Sacramento, California. And actually, uh, I'll try and uh, pull uh, my helmet. Uh, I actually do have a gold miners helmet. I'll show you to you guys in a second. But so 0 for 1, uh, 0 for 1 Swift. Uh, RC, we're going to hey, throw it hey. over to you. We're going to throw it over to you, RC. Oh, so uh, I do apologize, uh, RC, but this is not a football question, <laughs> but it is a sports question. And uh, 2023 is obviously not an Olympic year, but it will be uh, next year. The uh, games will be in Paris. However, uh, the country of Canada has hosted the Olympics both summer and winter. How many times altogether did Canada host the Olympics? Two times, three times. Four times or six times? Do I get Jeopardy music? No, unfortunately, no. I, I wasn't able to play afford it. that. I wasn't able to play, afford that. Play it in your own head. <laughs> it's in my head now. I'm going to go with two times. I mean, I don't you know, remember more than two times. I mean, it's either two or three, but I'm going to go with two. Neil? Uh, the only two I know of are Montreal and Vancouver. And so unless suddenly my brain can think of a third, no, I'm going to agree with two. And, and uh, Neil is actually, uh, you were born in Edmonton, right? Oh, I don't like where this is going. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> down the street, down the street in your own province of Calgary, they had the uh, oh, 88 Olympics. Oh, my God, Olympics. yes, the 88, 88. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 1976 uh, were the games in Montreal, uh, 88 was Calgary, and 2010 was Vancouver. So, uh, guys, uh, now the next question is going to be, who am I? I'm going to throw uh, a couple of um, I'm going to throw statements at you and we're going to start at seven points. Okay. okay. As I uh, unveil a new statement, uh, you're going to deduct a point. So uh, just leave it with me. Uh, Swift, we're going to start with you and uh, I'm going to read you a statement. This is of um, a football player, an a prominent 
NFL football player uh, who uh, did start in the CFL. All right. So first statement. My CFL career began in 1978 with the Edmonton Eskimos winning the league's most outstanding player award in 1983. I know this one. And uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, you might be nervous. You should be nervous, maybe, because it looks like RC might uh might I see uh, it on the way. Oh man. <laughs> I'll give you five seconds and then I'm Joe gonna uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna drop the second statement on you, all right? Yeah. I won the Grey Cup five times and was named the game's MVP twice. I'll give you five seconds and we'll, we'll drop quarterback. Don't Google it. <laughs> yeah, don't be cheating, okay? I don't want no chat GPT on uh, uh, hey. here. <laughs> uh, hey, Alexa. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go on statement three. I was a nine-time NFL Pro Bowler between 1988 through 1997. You should have gave me this, man. Swift don't know here. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, sorry, you don't have to get in. You don't have to get into specifics, but uh, what is the uh, what is the age difference between Swift and RC? Like, uh, I'm 42. It's a good amount. It's a good yeah, amount. Yeah, I'm 42. I'm 42. He's nine I'm years old. <laughs> no, I'm 34. Okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, this is – uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, I got this. I know who this is. Neil, how you doing over there? Oh, I think uh, RC's got the answer, but I think I got it too. I'm going to let him uh, go for it. Okay. Statement number four. Statement number four. I was not drafted in 1978, but made my NFL debut in 1984 with a team that no longer exists. It's not Laura Moon, is it? (sighs) It is Warren Moon. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Warren Moon actually uh, absolutely ran it in Neil's hometown of Edmonton, Alberta with the Eskimo. He won the Grey Cup five times. And uh, RC, you uh, you knew that from the get-go, didn't you? I knew that. I love Warren Moon, man. Like, like growing up as a yeah. kid, Warren Moon was that guy. He was – and the thing about Warren Moon that I like, he wasn't an athletic quarterback. He stood in the pocket and played quarterback like they wanted him to play it, but – and then McNair came after that. So it was like, yeah, I love Warren Moon. Bad man. Yeah. Uh, I, caught, I caught Warren Moon on the back end of his career because, you know, I was born in 89. And look, the cool thing about Warren Moon was check out the number one in that jersey, baby. That thing looked good. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I love that Oilers helmet. Oh, yeah, yeah man. And uh, very quickly, guys, uh, I do want to – I'd be remiss if I didn't show you the – Sacramento Gold Miners helmets. Uh, this oh, was cool. the first, uh, the first U.S. based CFL team, Sacramento Gold Miners. They, that's uh, cool. yeah, the uh, the U.S. experiment wasn't good at all. But uh, Man, you got everything in that room. I need to up my game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely gonna up mine. You inspired me. <laughs> all right, so uh, so Swift, if I'm not mistaken, I think you were down to your fourth statement so i i'm gonna give you three points okay so okay thank you thank you now it's yeah, uh for some, our, reason, for some reason we said it wasn't an nfl no, no nfl team no longer exists and yeah i like i forgot about warren moon that he played in the cfl so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Me out. 
<laughs> All right, RC, it's uh, time for you. Time for you. Let's uh, let's get it going. My CFL career began in 1990 with the BC Lions, ending my career with the Toronto Argonauts in 1997. I'll give you five seconds, and I'll release the second uh, statement. Quarterback. Hmm. Might be a running back. Might be a tight end. All right. Is it Doug Flutie? <laughs> Sorry? Doug Flutie? Wow. <laughs> Man, I, I I came up with a lot of good statements as well, and <laughs> it was Doug Flutie. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Uh, sports, yeah, he's, he's, I love well. sports. I love sports. So I know I love this type of stuff. Good for you guys. Good, good for you. Good for you. So uh, listen, uh, last question uh, that I did uh, develop. Now, uh, Neil, did you uh, did you think it was Doug Flutie? Oh, I knew that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was it too obvious? I mean, like, I mean, you know, kind of uh, that one. This one was more obvious than the moon question, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 Swift, do you it think took, you, it took uh, me a couple statements to get to moon? Yeah, I, I feel like I got, uh, I got Flutie off this one. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember Doug Flutie, but. Because <laughs> uh, he's a Buffalo, because he's a Bill. He he, yeah. he went to Pro Bowls with the Bills too, you know. Yeah, one of my statements was, "Yeah, I was on the bench when the Music City Miracle happened." But anyway, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not bitter, uh, guys. You know, I just completely flaked on the uh, uh, last. I hope you didn't see it, but let me uh, let me see if I can get uh, myself back here. Um, well, I'll, I'll just uh, ask you the question right now. Uh, the okay. first ever NBA game uh, was in the city of Toronto, and it was against the New York Knicks. What was the team name of that team in Toronto? What was the uh, team name? The Toronto team? Yeah. You got uh, the Huskies, the Canadians, the Mounties, or the Wolverines? The Huskies. <laughs> you know your stuff. Yeah, you guys, you guys, you guys definitely rocked it. Swift, did you have any idea? Nah, I didn't. <laughs> it was a white and blue jersey. Was that husky jersey white and blue? That's blue right. And yes, it was. Yes, it was. Perfect. And honestly, part of me thinks they should have just named the Raptors the Huskies right off the yeah. get. No. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Mm, I like I'm the name. Yeah. But listen, I, 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 mean, I, I get why it could just be it could just be that I was littered and made fun of by all my friends, American friends, by sending me Barney memes. Doing <laughs> <laughs> uh, the championship, it all stopped after Kawhi came. But before that, man, the amount of Barney memes uh, I would get every great. year when we flopped, when LeBron toe would come up and all that stuff. Yeah, but you know that's what? Great. I mean, like it, uh, like is there a jersey that's more a retro jersey that's more hype than uh, Vince Carter's? Oh, man. Uh, retro jersey? Not too many. Yeah, no, not too many. Yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm share this with y'all real quick. I love the trivia stuff, man. I I actually have a nephew who's the same way, and we are fanatics. We love sports, and so therefore, when you did that, man, listen, my antennas went up. Um, <laughs> I watch a lot of stuff on sports. You know, I I actually, you know, educate myself on it, so I know when it, when I get on these shows or I'm talking to anybody, I'm not just throwing stuff to see if it'll stick on the wall. So I enjoyed that. No, hey, uh, definitely uh, the pleasure was ours. Uh, listen, uh, this has been an absolute blast. You know what I mean? Uh, just uh, uh, obviously we are uh, physical neighbors, uh, Canada in the United States, but there definitely is a right. lot of uh, differences and uh, sports-wise especially, and to talk uh, football and 
uh, basketball, obviously, uh, cut it up with a couple of great guys like yourselves. Really hope that we could do it again uh, yes, to sir. RC and to Swift. I really appreciate you both. Thank you so much. We had to bring y'all guys on our show one day, you know. Hey, when you guys have a um, hockey uh, episode or something, <laughs> I'm in. Like, uh, uh, we but... <laughs> working into a span right now. Uh, we probably gonna pick up baseball uh, next year. You know, soon absolutely ends because uh, a lot of people been asking for baseball, and I love hockey. I never told y'all this, but my favorite teams are Anaheim Ducks. You know, I don't know y'all ever seen the movie The Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah, so that would make me like the Ducks. I watched The Mighty Ducks. I'm like, hey, I'm root for the real team. Well, so, that's, that's my little that's my little origin story for hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I was a know. Wayne Gretzky fan growing up. I loved Wayne Gretzky growing up uh, because everybody, Wayne Gretzky was one of those guys. He was one of those superstars, Bo Jackson, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky. So um, I gravitated to, to, to the, uh, the LA Kings. But I also like the New Jersey Devils. Um, and as I get into hockey, I'm starting to move around. But... The thing about the Canadian-based teams, you know, the Blue Jays, and there was this guy that played baseball, Montreal uh, Expos, by the name Vladimir Guerrero. And that's my favorite <laughs> baseball player. And that's another team, when they moved them, I was I was broken up, man, because I love Vlad. So Montreal Expos is another one of my team's favorite teams. No, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, there uh, Montreal uh, was in bad shape. I mean, the city, uh, the stadium was a disaster. It was yeah, nowhere near. Yeah, oh my God, it was so hideous. I mean, like that place, and I mean, like uh, Montreal never had uh, built a, a legit stadium. Like they still <laughs> use the big O, and it's 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 literally falling apart. Correct me if I'm wrong, though, but I think the Expos were actually one of the favorites to win the World Series the one year that they had a lockout. 1994. And they sort of just, you know. 1994. Pedro Martinez was on the team. Pedro Martinez, yeah. And he wasn't the ace. He was not the ace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Larry Walker. uh, Yeah, no, that team would have done something for sure, but then they couldn't afford the uh, to keep him the next year, and then they, uh, then it just was downhill ever since. But I mean, like, honestly, uh, yeah, like uh, between basketball, uh, uh, like I'm big into soccer, baseball. I mean, hey, I got my Jays jersey on, uh, hoping that they can make the playoffs. But uh, I mean, like with regards to with regards to baseball and basketball for the state of Mississippi, like w- like what uh, what teams do this? Does the state follow pro wise? Uh, so listen, Braves. we get to pick. Whoever the hell we want to. Like, <laughs> like, I call it Oblivia. By us being in Oblivia in the middle of nowhere in the South, we get to go. That's why all my team, most of them are California-based um, teams. And then also, you know, being that, you know, I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan So in co- for college football. So it's like we get to – we have the luxury. Of, you know, we don't have a pro team, so we get to pick everything. Yeah, we, we just – but a lot of people like the Braves down here, Kyle. You know, the Atlanta, the uh, Atlanta is not too far away from us. So, uh, yeah. well, actually, the guy on our, on our show, our, our other co host, Taylor Gatwood, he's a big Braves fan. Yeah. And I actually got like tons of friends that Braves fans. So, you might see I'm a little bit of Cubs too. Cubs, Yankees, Yankees fans are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a Giants fan. I like the Giants. I like the Giants. And is it basketball? Okay. Like, I'm guessing that the Pelicans are the cl- closest one geographic wise. <laughs> Yeah, Pelicans. Uh, I think there's, there's a lot of Lakers fans in uh, Mississippi. Yes. 
Lakers, Cowboys, 49ers, Saints. Um, and see, the thing about and I, I he can he's a Saints fan, he's a Pelican fan, he likes the Pelicans. I my family, most of my family are Saints, Cowboys, Niners. I was not going to be a Mississippi State, an old Miss, a USM. Those teams sucked when I was growing up. Being on the Saints <laughs> there was no Pelican. So that my thing was I had to look to the West Coast and, and the East Coast and because the teams that I was growing up watching sucked. And I mean, as you a kid, you go into the grocery store, you're picking the best cereal. If your mom say, get what you want, you're not going to get great value cereal. You're going to get <laughs> Frosty Flakes. And, 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 and Ben pick, is in the grocery store picking frost, picking great value cereal. Ooh. And he picked the things because they were sucking when he liked Man. <laughs> so I'm not that loyal. I'm not that. Um, I'm going to say this. At that time, when I was picking my teams, all my teams were really good. I was just a kid and I stayed with him. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's the luxury of being. A lot of Steelers fans down here too. A lot of Steelers fans too. Steelers. Steelers. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, hey, uh, I mean, uh, if uh, the Raptors ever do anything again, uh, hopefully uh, there'll be a soft spot for uh, for Toronto. Uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Neil, well, now you, guys, you guys ever come up here? Let's go. We'll go to a game. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, come on, RC. <laughs> Listen, when when the Raptors won the championship, we all celebrated because it ended a dynasty that we all got tired of watching. And I, I was thinking about Kawhi Leonard. He should go down in history as one of the greats because not only did he win it in Toronto, he also dethroned LeBron. Remember that year he won the MVP and the, the claw and locked up LeBron? Yeah. Um, that guy, if he don't, if he's not battling those injuries, he might be, he could be the next guy, but he just stayed injured. But he's a legend. Hey, you know something, man? He had the best year of his career in Toronto, bar none, and I don't think he's going to have another year like that the rest of his no. career. So he should have stayed in Toronto. He had a Michael Jordan-like playoff run that year for us. It was and, very Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's just been so snake bitten uh, in L.A. I mean, it's it's unfortunate to see. It really is. All that, all that low management. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Yo, really appreciate you. Thanks so much for uh, for joining me once again. Yeah, yeah, man. Thank, thank you, man. y'all for thank having you. us. Thank you. Pleasure meeting you guys, man. So, so we'll talk soon. Yeah, most definitely. For Neil Katari, Ben Swift Reynolds, and Ronnie R.C. Uh, Clark, my name is Randy Kure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you're doing well and keeping safe. We will talk to you next time. <laughs>